want to say good morning on this beautiful Labor Day weekend. Thanks for being here. Uh, looks good morning to our Mill Creek campus, those who are watching online and those who are watching on TV. And I just have to say this, if you happen to be a Georgia State Panther today, go Panthers. I just think that was the greatest thing. If nothing else happens this year, I'm a happy guy to see that happen. So to all you Tennessee fans out there, eat it. Um, we're getting it started right today. But anyway, it is a beautiful, beautiful day. You know, um, I grew up not too far from here. For those of you who do not know who I am, uh, I grew up in a little town called Oakwood, which is just right up the interstate from here. I grew up in a little country church. Uh, in fact, my, my, my mother was baptized, not in the church, but she was baptized in a little, really a watering hole uh, that was uh, right there in the little town of Oakwood, right across the railroad tracks. Uh, she was baptized there. My dad was baptized there. Uh, and I was baptized there. And my brother was baptized there. And uh, it was a, a country church, no air conditioning. And um, it's, it's amazing the, the, the snapshots of the memories that you have as a child. And, and one of the memories that I have, there were two things that, that I always couldn't wait to do. Number one, I couldn't wait to be baptized. I just thought baptism was the coolest thing. And I couldn't wait to be baptized. And yet somehow, you know, I, I kind of understood, mom and dad taught me that you just don't get baptized. It's not a thing, you know, you know it's not, you know, getting in a pool and playing with a rubber duck. It's, 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 it's a big deal. And there's some things that have to be true about you before you get baptized. But I remember the first time that the Lord's Supper was taken in the church. And the reason why it sticks out in my mind is because I didn't get to take it. As a matter of fact, I can still remember they were passing the elements down the, the, the row there. And I remember that I reached out to get the, the, uh, the cup and the bread and my dad slapped me on the hand. He said, you can't do that. And it, it really bugged me and it bothered me. And, and frankly, the reason why I wanted the cup so bad, we didn't have air conditioning, it was hot. And I wanted some grape juice, just to be honest. I was thirsty. And so dad had to explain to me, son, you can't, you can't take the Lord's Supper. So I remember the first time that I couldn't take it. But then I also remember the first time I was able to take it. And, uh, you know, for those of you who may not be believers and don't even understand what we're about to do today, I, I get it, so just kind of hang with us. But I remember what a thrill it was to me. I just really felt like, you know, and, and it really is true, but I felt like I belonged. For the first time, I felt like I don't just go to this church, I don't just sit in this church. I belong to this church, and, and I belong to the people around me. And that's kind of what I want to talk about this morning about the Lord's Supper. For those of you who are guests of ours, about four or five times a year, we have the Lord's Supper, and we really center everything around the supper. I, I don't preach a very long sermon. The, usually the focus is on the message, and the focus is on the message today, but not what I'm going to preach, but because of what we're going to do. There are two ordinances. We call them ordinances. Some people call them sacraments. There are two ordinances in the church. One is baptism, and one is the Lord's Supper. And as you're going to see in just a moment, they're reserved for a certain group of people. Now, anybody can become eligible. Anybody uh, can, can make themselves available and, and can qualify to be baptized. We're going to be baptizing at the next service. You can qualify to be baptized. You can qualify to take the Lord's Supper. But not, it's not just for anybody. So what I want to do is just go right to a text today. We're in Matthew 26, and if you want to look on in your Bibles, you can, or your iPhone or your pad or whatever. We're going to throw the verses up on the screen. And I just wanted to say four very simple things this morning to you about what we're doing and why we're doing it. We call it the Lord's Supper. 
And some people call it the last supper, as you're gonna see in just a moment. That's really a misnomer. It's not the last supper. There's another supper to come. We're gonna talk about that in just a moment. But what I wanna do is jump in, and I wanna just, we're gonna take the four verses we're gonna look at this morning. I wanna look at them verse by verse, and I just wanna say four very simple things about what we're doing and why we're doing it, so that two of you will, under two groups of people understand it. Number one, if you're a believer, this will be kind of a refresher for you. This is Lord's Supper 101. This is why we do what we do and what we're doing. If you're not a believer, at least hopefully you'll understand why A, we do it as believers, and why B, you must become a believer before you can do it and before you should do it. So we're in Matthew chapter 26. Let me read this first verse. Where is, we don't have a, oh, here it is. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. So the first thing I wanna say about what we're doing in just a moment is the Lord's Supper is a faith affair. It is a faith affair. Now you're in this upper room, this is where they were, we're in the upper room and when we go to Israel, we go to an upper room, we don't know if it was the upper room or not. But there was this upper room and Jesus was there with his 12 disciples. They're taking the Passover and yet this would be a Passover unlike they had ever, never done before. Now they had taken the Passover before several times. At least we know of three times because they'd been with them for three years. We know that at least two times before they had taken the Passover with him. But he had never said what he was gonna say this Passover. And he was never going to make this Passover the way this Passover was to be seen. It would never, it would happen from now on, they'd never take the Passover the same again, but they'd never taken it this way before. Normally at the Passover, you would break bread and you would take it and eat it and you would take the wine and you would drink it. And, and, and really what it was pointing to was when, how the Lord passed over when, when uh, back in, in, uh, in Egypt, when uh, the death angel was coming, if you don't know the story, Moses and the children of Israel, were, were, they were slaves in the, in the land of Egypt, and God had promised that through Moses he would deliver them, and the night had finally come to be delivered, and God, had, God told Moses to warn all the people that there would be a death angel that would be passing through all of Egypt, and if they didn't want that death angel to t kill their firstborn child, they had to paint blood over the lentils of the doorpost, and when they did, the death angel would pass over that house, hence the word, Passover. And so they had taken the Passover, which Jews still do to this day, Orthodox Jews uh, and, and, and conservative Jews still, and some Reformed Jews still take to this day. They observe the, the Passover. So uh, Jesus has taken the Passover for not a big deal, but this was different. This time Jesus takes this bread and he breaks it and he says something that was a little bit strange. He said, take and eat. And then he said, this is my body. Now, you're, you're one of the disciples, you're in the upper room, you're going, no, this is the bread, that's your body. But Jesus, no, this, this is my body. And I can tell you now that the disciples didn't quite totally understand yet what he was saying, but this is why I wanna tell you, it was a faith affair. Here's what I mean by that. Number one, these disciples all believed at that moment Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He was the promised one. He was the anointed one. He is the one that God had promised all throughout the Old Testament. Hang on, don't give in, don't give out, don't give up. My man is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Christ is coming. And they absolutely, to a man, with exception of Judas, to a man, they really did believe you are the one. 
In other words, he said to his disciples, his disciples were those who followed him. His disciples were those who believed in him. So first of all, in order to take the Lord's Supper, you must say and, and, and at least claim to be a disciple. You must claim to be a believer. The Lord's Supper is only for believers. That's why sometimes it can get a little bit awkward because when you're in a group like this, um, you know, a lot of pastors don't like to do this anymore, but we do ask respectfully those of you who may not be followers of Christ and you're, you, you don't, uh, are, are not true believers in Jesus that you don't take the Lord's Supper because it's not for you. Now, as you're gonna see our desire to this message is you become a follower and you become a believer and you become uh, 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 eligible to take the supper. But the point I'm making is, first of all, this is a faith affair. We wouldn't be doing something that's 2,000, 3,000 years old if it didn't have any more meaning today than it did 3,000 years ago. However, frankly, what we're about to do today has even more meaning than it did 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, because Jesus gave his body. They didn't know what he meant then. What he, what he was about to say was, I'm about to die on a cross. I'm about to give my body. I'm about to give my life for you. So the first thing I want all of us to remember and understand is the reason why we do this and the reason why we come to church every Sunday, frankly, we come to express our faith. And so when we take this bread and we take this, this cup, we're simply saying we really believe in this man that, 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 that instituted the supper 2,000 years ago. We really do believe he gave his body. We really do believe that he died for us, that he died for the sins of the world. It is a faith affair. Now let's read the next verse. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to him, saying, drink from it all of you. Now, who's the all he was talking about? Well, he was talking about the disciples. He was talking about the people who had become, in effect, his family. So not only is the Lord's Supper a faith affair, it is a family affair. You have to be a part of the family of God in order to take this. There are certain times of the year that, just like you, you do it in your house, I do it in mine. There are certain times of the year, usually it's Christmas or Thanksgiving, that you have a certain special group of people together for a meal, or you go to a certain special group of people to celebrate that meal in that time of the year, and it is your family. Uh, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, for example, whenever you open your gifts, everybody's got different customs. Almost universally, this is gonna be true. The only people that will be at your house or the only house you will be in on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day is your family. It's a traditional family get together. The same thing is true for Thanksgiving. Same thing is true for the Lord's Supper. It is a family affair. It is only for people who are part of the family of God. You say, well, how do you get into the family of God? Well, that's why it's a faith affair. It is faith that puts you in the family. It is faith that allows you to be born into the family. Jesus said to a man named Nicodemus, unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Why is that? Because the only people allowed into the kingdom of God is the family of God, and you can't be a part of the family of God until you're born again into the family of God, and you can't be born again into the family of God until you believe in the God, the Son of God that God sent. So 
once you become a believer in Jesus Christ and you place your faith in Jesus, your faith brings you into the family of God. And when you're a part of the family of God, guess what? You have a chair at the table and your chair, you've got a little placard on the, on the table. It's got your name on it. You have a reservation. So the Lord's Supper is not for everybody. It is only for those who are part of his body. And the only ones who are part of his body is the family of God. So if you'd like to know whether or not you are eligible or you should take the Lord's Supper, it's very simple. Are you a part of the family of God. Now, again, not trying to offend anybody, but there's everybody out, you know, there's this, this kind of thinking out there. Well, we're all brothers and sisters, and we're all sons and daughters of God. That's not true. We're all creations of God, and we're all created in the image of God, and we're all very special to God. But in order to become a son or a daughter, you've got to be born into the family. Uh, there are a lot of young people, young kids. I mean, I love kids, period. And, and I love, I, being a grandfather now, I really do love everybody's grandchildren. I really do. But there's only certain ones that are my grandchildren. They were born into my family. And so in order to be a part of God's family, you've got to be born into that family. And so this is a family affair. Now, the good news is we don't really care in our church whether you are a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian or a Lutheran or Catholic or whatever you may be, if you have truly placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're a part of the family, we want to invite you today in a moment to take part in the supper. But it is a family affair. Now, here's the third thing I want you to notice. Let's read the next verse. This is my blood. Now, he's taking the cup. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is a covenant. We're expressing here a covenant. When you accept a covenant, when, you, when, when you're offered a covenant, I want you to enter into a covenant. When you enter into a covenant, and I enter into a covenant, by faith, we're not only part now of a family, we're now in fellowship. This is a fellowship affair. Because one of the things you do when you have a meal, you know this, one of the best ways to have fellowship is to have a meal. Uh, most of you are in business, you know this. A lot of you have businesses uh, that, that you, you're required to take clients to lunch. It's not a fellowship affair, it's a business affair. I, I'm kind of different. Sometimes I do that, but a lot of times I go to lunch with pastors, I go to lunch with missionaries, I go to lunch with church members. You know what it's primarily for? For fellowship. I'm not trying to sell anything, they're not trying to sell me anything, we're not trying to do business, we're not trying to you know, do a joint venture together. It's just for fellowship. It's for me to encourage them, them to encourage me. This is what we're doing when we take the Lord's Supper. We're here to encourage each other. When we take the Lord's Supper, when you sit next to someone today and they take the bread and you take the bread and you take the cup and they take the cup, what you're really saying to each other is we're in fellowship with each other. You're my brother. You're my sister. We are part of God's family. And as you well know, there's really no more of an intimate way to express fellowship than to, to, than to have a meal together. I think I may have told you this last week. I don't remember. But I, I met this... Um, I was in the mall the other day, and I met this young Jewish man. He's from Tel Aviv, and so if I told you this, I'm going to be super brief. I, you know, if I did tell you, most of you are like me, you forgot it too. But I met this guy. He's, he's about 21 years old. He's a young Jewish guy. And uh, so long story short, I got to share the gospel with him. Uh, Teresa actually just corresponded with him yesterday uh, because he, she's going to do a, the, he, he does this facial stuff is what he does. She's going to have a facial. 
So she was telling me this morning as I was getting ready to go to church, she says, hey, I talked to Dee yesterday. That's his name. And she says, I'm going to have my, my facial tomorrow. He said, he really hopes you'll come with me because he'd like to see you and wants to talk to you. I said, yeah, I'll be, I'll be glad to go. And so I've invited him to my house for a meal. And it meant a lot to him because in, in the Middle Eastern culture, it's a big deal. For us, it's not so much, but for, in the Middle Eastern culture, when you have a meal, what you're really saying is, I, I really want to have more than just a casual acquaintance kind of relationship with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to really develop a friendship with you. And that's exactly what we're doing here. When we come and we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, we are expressing our fellowship one with another. We're saying we're a part of one body. We're a part of his body. He is the head of the body. We are a part of his body, and we're to express that fellowship. Now, Really, believe it or not, everything I just said is kind of the introduction. Now I want to get to the main part of the message, okay? So I've already said the Lord's Supper is a faith affair. It's only for those who place their faith in Christ. It's a family affair. It's only for those of us who are part of God's family. It is a fellowship affair. It is for us to express to one another our unity in the body of Christ. But this is what I want you to, I want you to zero in on this, because this is something we don't miss. We, we miss. We don't pay much attention to it. And that is, Jesus said, it is a future affair. Now listen to this last verse. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on. In other words, this is the last time I'll do it here. Until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, you talk about something that really raised the eyebrows in that room and got their attention. You know, I was reading in my Bible this morning when I was reading uh, this text. It had a little subscript. You know how the scriptures are divided. It'll say, you know, this is the, the Good Samaritan story or, you know, whatever. Well, it had above it the Last Supper. And I made a little note in, 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 as I was reading it. No, this is not the Last Supper. This is the Lord's Supper. Because there's one more supper to come. Jesus said, we're going to do this again, guys. This is not the Last Supper. This is the Lord's Supper. Now, why did he say that? What was his point? Hey, I'm going to do this again in the kingdom with you. We're going to do this all over again. Here was what he was saying. This is a dress rehearsal. What we're going to do today is a dress rehearsal for what we're going to do in eternity. And oh, by the way, if you'd say, well, is there anything in Scripture about this? Yeah, go over to the book of Revelation. Uh, I think it's around Revelation 19, 20, right in there. And you'll read about this marriage supper of the Lamb. This is what Jesus was talking about. There's going to be a supper. And maybe, I don't know, I've got, I don't know how the chronology is going to work, but it's not going to be too long because in eternity, there's neither long or short, there's no time. But, but, but I mean, pretty soon after we get to heaven, there's going to be this big banquet and every tribe and every tongue and every nation and every color, every ethnicity, they're going to be at this table. Everyone who was a part of the faith and a part of the family and part of the fellowship, we're all going to be there together. And we're going to see, we're going to do a supper like we've never done a supper before. And that's why when we come together to take the Lord's Supper, my biggest fear, this is always my biggest fear, is that you walk in here, some of you have been coming here for a long time, and you walk in and you go, oh yeah, this is Labor Day, this is when we do the Lord's Supper. And you, you almost have this been there, done that attitude, and I want to beg you not to do that. Because there's a lot of things, if you, when you read the scriptures, 
as, as far as I can tell, there's only one thing that Jesus commanded us to remember. Now, he wants us to remember, you know, everything he taught us. That's not my point. But he specifically said, you remember me when you take this supper. You do this in remembrance of me. He didn't, you know, when he, when he washed the disciples' feet, you remember that? He said, I've set an example for you. If I've, as I have washed your feet, I want you to wash the feet of, of others. He didn't say, by the way, now you remember me when you do that. Now, obviously we do. He didn't tell us that. And you take everything that he did that he wants us to do, love one another, share with one another, be compassionate to one another, all those things. He never one time said, oh, by the way, when you do that, you, you remember me. But one time, one time he said, now when you do this, don't focus on the bread, don't focus on the, the, the cup, don't, don't focus on the elements. I want you to remember me. In other words, he said, this is the one time I want you to almost in an out-of-body experience, I want you to go back 2,000 years. And I want you to remember what happened on that cross. And I want you to remember how I hung on that cross. And I want you to remember how I shed my blood for you. I want you to remember what I did for you. I want you to remember how I gave my life for you. I want you to remember how I showed my love for you. I want you to remember that. I don't want you to ever, ever forget it. I, uh, I, I used to... One of my dearest friends was a man named Freddie Gage. Some, most of you have never even heard of Freddie Gage. Freddie Gage was an evangelist, and uh, uh, he became one of my dearest, dearest friends. He was a really pretty well-known evangelist in Southern Baptist circles. I got to know Freddie back when I was in Mississippi. As a matter of fact, I owe so much to Freddie because um, Freddie actually recommended me. He was the man that recommended me to my former church uh, that I used to pastor not too far from here and actually recommended me to, to, to several churches. But he was always kind of like my number one PR guy. And I, he, just, he, just, he has four sons. Rick goes to our church. One of his sons attends our church. And he kind of adopted me as his fifth son. In fact, when he introduced me, he said, that's James Mary. James my fifth son. And he was just, in fact, I, I, I did his funeral. And uh, just one of the most special, God, and one of the greatest soul winners I ever knew. But I'm going to tell you something Freddie Gage said as I kind of wrap this up. And, and I, hope, I hope it'll maybe resonate with you. He said something, I'll never forget it. We were talking one day. In fact, I was pastoring in my church in Mississippi. He was preaching a revival for us. We were about to go out and knock on doors to try to win people to Christ. We got in the car, and, and Freddie was kind of, a, kind of a gruff, kind of a real blunt-speaking kind of a guy. And he looked at me, and he said, James, he said, you know what's wrong with most Christians? I said, no, Freddie, what's wrong? I'll never forget what he said. He said, they got saved. but they got over it. They got saved, but they got over it. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, James, don't you ever get over it. So I wanna ask you a question. Just be honest. Just look yourself in a spiritual mirror as we're about to take this supper. Have you gotten over it? Is your salvation one of those? Yeah, I kind of, yeah, I checked that box off. Yeah, I, I walked down an aisle, I checked off a card, or I shook the preacher's hand, and yeah, I got baptized, and yeah, I kind of made sure I made my reservations, and 
but I've gotten over it. One of the reasons why Jesus said we should periodically take the Lord's Supper and he just assumed we would take it periodically is just to remind us, don't ever get over it. Don't ever get over Jesus giving his body for you. Don't ever get over Jesus giving his blood for you. Don't ever get over that we're here today because of what Christ has done for us, what Christ has done in us, and what Christ wants to do through us. When Charles Spurgeon died, and if you've never heard Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest pastors, maybe the greatest pastor that's ever lived since the New Testament was written, probably is. I think everybody probably can see that. He's, he's kind of the Michael Jordan of pastors. Charles Spurgeon died at 54 years of age of gout. He was lying on his deathbed in France. His family was around him. Somehow he knew he was about to take his last breath. And the last words Charles Spurgeon said were these. Jesus died for me. He never got over it. He never forgot it. And neither should we. So, just a moment. Um, I'm going to ask you. We have tables around uh, various places here. and We'll have some ushers, I think. Hopefully, it'll help to guide us here. But what I'm going to ask you to do is this. I'm going to have a word of prayer. Then we're just going to ask you section by section to go to the table that's nearest to you. You'll go and get the cup. You'll go and get the bread. You'll come back to your seat when everybody's got their elements. Then we're going to take the supper together. And then we'll have a time of invitation and we'll be out the door. But before we do that, don't be in a rush. When you go to the table, if you just want to say a quick prayer of thanksgiving or if you have a burden on your heart you want to lay before the Lord, do that. It's a sweet time to do that. But let's take this supper today with this thought. God, use these elements today to remind me to remember and to remind me never, ever, to get over it. Heavenly Father, this is a holy sacred time in the life of our church, in the life of our family. So Lord, uh, even as we go to gather these elements and bring them back to our seats, get ready to take this supper together, may we feel your presence, may we feel your love, may we feel your grace, May we feel your joy. May we feel your strength. May we feel your power. In a way that maybe some of us have not experienced it in a while. What we're about to do, we do out of loving, adoring, gratitude for what you've done for us. And we pray this prayer to you in your name. Amen. Okay, section by section, if you'll just get up and begin to make your way and you'll see tables that are there on either side here. If you'll just begin to get up and, and, and I would say as we do this, 
If you're not a part of God's family, we just respectfully request that you just remain seated, that nobody's going to think any less of you or worse of you. You do not have to be a member of our church to do this. If you're a part of God's family, we want to encourage you to take the supper with us right now. put this in perspective so in my office here I have a picture of me my oldest son James my middle son Jonathan and we're with George H.W. Bush it was right after George H.W. Bush had left the White House and we were invited to uh, a man was running for governor and uh, we were invited uh, to uh, a, a lunch. And uh, I had no idea that uh, I knew the president was going to be there, and I didn't think we'd get to meet him. Well, we not only got to meet him, we were actually sitting, me and my two boys were sitting with George H.W. Bush and the man that was running for governor. That we were at their table, which I did not expect to happen. And um, we were just in awe. I mean, I'm, we're sitting there with a former president of the United States, which, by the way, could not have been one of the most gracious, uh, this will resonate with some of you, kindest, gentlest men I've ever been around was President Bush, just a wonderful man. And um, 
we were talking about it coming back home, we said, man, we'll, we'll never forget this day. We don't. We'll never forget having lunch with George H.W. Bush. And it was an honor. And it was a privilege. And I don't, not, not dropping a name, I want to make a point. nothing to me that compares the thrill and the joy and the excitement every time I come and take the Lord's Supper. I mean, think about it. Think about this now. One of these days, we're going to be at a table with the creator of the universe, with the one who flung the stars into orbit, hung the planets in place, one who could walk on water, raise the dead. The one who could just open his mouth and just say one word and a universe came to light. We, those of us who by faith are a part of his family and a part of his fellowship, what a glorious future we're going to have with him. That alone, that just what I just said ought to make you say, man, Every time we do the Lord's Supper, I want to be in town. I want to be here. And I will never, ever take this Lord's Supper ever the same way again. So in the same way, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he blessed it. Even as I ask you now to bless this bread, Heavenly Father. And he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for your precious body. We'll never know what you went through, ever. One day we'll see it because we'll see the nail scars in your hands and in your feet. But until that day, we love you and bless you and we thank you for giving your body for us. then Jesus took the cup and as you well know this is just uh, a picture of blood it's not real blood we don't believe that but it is a picture of blood and don't ever take this for granted either because there's a verse in the Bible that really gets my attention every time I read it and it's a big reminder to me of how much we need Jesus the scripture says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sins. You can be baptized to your waterlogged. You could get a perfect attendance certificate for the next 50 years coming to our church. You could memorize the entire New Testament. You can give everything you have to poor people. But without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. The only price that pays off the debt of sin is the blood of a perfect sacrifice. That's the blood that Jesus gave. And that's why Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood for the remission of sins. And as often as you drink it, you do it in remembrance of me.
Lord Jesus, thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Thank you for leaving heaven and coming to earth (laughs) so one day we could leave earth and we could go to heaven. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, for whatever the reason, I noticed obviously, we do every service, some of you didn't take to supper. Don't know why, don't have to get into it. But if you didn't take the Lord's Supper today because you're not a part of God's family, I just want to ask you a simple question. Would you like to be? Would you like for the creator of the universe to become your heavenly father? Would you like this Jesus who died on a cross and came back from the dead, would you like for him to be your savior and your Lord? Would you like the next time you walk into any church where they are taking the Lord's Supper, would you like to be able to, be, to do that and to be a part of that? Would you like to know that you have a reservation at the table? You've got a seat at the table? If the answer to that question is yes, all you have to do is just tell God you want to be a part of his family. And he'll make you a part of his family. That's all you got to do. And if you say, well, I'm not quite sure what to say, then then you could say, just pray something like this. Right now, just pray something like this. Dear God, today, I would like to be born into your family. I'd like to have a seat at the table. But I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And now I know that Jesus is that Savior. He is the one who gave his body. He is the one who shed his blood. He is the one who came back from the grave. And today, I am placing my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I confess you right now as my Lord. I trust you as my Savior. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And I ask you to give me eternal life. I repent. I turn away from my old way of life. And I ask you to come into my life and make my life a new one. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me this morning. Now, you prayed that prayer. Yes, I did. And you meant that prayer. Yes, I did. Well, if you did, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You were given a a little guide, a little card when you came in today. And on the bottom of that card, it... uh, has a little card called connection card. Okay? You see it at the bottom, it's a tear off. If you prayed that prayer with me and you asked Christ to come into your heart and you meant it, I'm going to ask you to do something that's easy. You can do this, real simple. Take a pen or a pencil, there should be one in the seat in front of you. I want you to sign your name. I want you to give us some contact information. It can be a home address, cell phone number, email, one of those things. Then at the bottom of that box, it says, today I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want you to check off that box. That's it. It's that simple. Got it? So you prayed with me. You asked Christ into your heart. Just then, you meant it. You fill that card out. 
check off that box. Either one of our campuses, you do that. When the service is over at either campus, you're gonna go out to the lobby. There's gonna be a table there called Connection Point. Can't miss it, right in the middle of either lobby. You take that card to that table. They'll know exactly what decision you've made for Christ. They'll know what information you need to get. They'll give it to you and you'll be on your way out the door and we'll follow up with you, okay? Now, everybody look up here. Everybody look up here now. Last thing before we're finished, and I do hope you have a blessed Labor Day weekend. The end of this month, the last Sunday of this month, September the 29th, we're going to have Baptism Sunday. We do it every year. And it's our prayer and our desire that we baptize as many people as possible. I want to ask every one of you a simple question. Have you ever been biblically baptized? Not baptized according to the way you think you ought to do it, the way some other church thinks you ought to do it. Have you ever been biblically baptized? Let me carefully explain what that means. Biblical baptism, number one, means you have been saved. That is, you have believed and you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, there's no infant baptism. You will not find in the New Testament any baby that was baptized. Why? Because first you believe, then you're baptized. It's just like a wedding ring. You don't put on a wedding ring when you're five years old and get married when you're 25. You get, you get married first, then you put on the ring. That's biblical baptism. Number one, it's who should be baptized, only believers. Then biblical baptism is very clear. And I don't make, I'm not being facetious when I say this. We don't take the Lord's Supper with a hot dog and a Coke. There's a reason for that. The scripture is very specific. No, you take it with bread and you take it with juice, the fruit of the vine, very specific. The scripture is very specific about how you're baptized. You're not baptized by sprinkling. That's not the way they baptize in the New Testament. You're not baptized by pouring. That is not the way they did it in the New Testament. There are two Greek words for that, for that kind of baptism. That's never used for baptism. The Greek word that is used for baptism throughout the New Testament is by immersion. So the biblical way of being baptized is you're put under the water, you're brought back up out of the water. You say, well, what does it matter? What does it matter whether you're sprinkled or whether you're poured? What is the big deal? Same reason why it's a big deal that we take the Lord's Supper the right way. Because baptism paints a picture, just like the Lord's Supper does. We know what the Lord's Supper does. What's the bread? The bread is his what? His body. And the juice is his what? His blood. Well, what's baptism? Well, it's not the washing away of your sins. People say, oh, that means, no, no, no. Water doesn't wash away your sins. Only the blood of Jesus washes away sins. So what does baptism point to? Easy. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. You've never, some of you have never been biblically baptized. We're going to have baptism Sunday on September the 29th. And I want to encourage you to, to do that. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you've never been biblically baptized, and by the way, if you checked off the first box, you ought to go ahead and check off the second box. That's your next step with Christ. But some of you have never been biblically baptized. I'm going to ask you right now to sign your name, give us contact information, and check off that second box. I want to be biblically baptized. And you can even write down, Baptism Sunday. I want to be baptized, Baptism Sunday, on September the 29th. And you can stop by Connection Point. You can learn more about it. You can sign up. We would love to see that. And we're, by the way, we're going to have spontaneous baptisms that day. What do you mean by that? We're going to invite people to be baptized. They won't even plan on being baptized. We're going to give you everything you need. We're going to have clothes you can wear. We're going to have towels and dryers and all kinds of neat stuff, okay? So 
you're going to be able to be baptized that day. You say, well, why are you, such a, why are you so big on baptism? I'll just give you, I'll give you plenty of reasons. I'll give you one that I'm gone. And I'll tell you why you ought to be big on baptism. One reason, one reason ought to do it. When I tell you this, if you've ever been biblically baptized, if you've never been biblically baptized, but you really do love Jesus, I'm going to say one thing and you ought to say, that's it, sign me up. Jesus was baptized. End of discussion. If it's good enough for him, I'll be good enough for you. Because anything that Jesus did, I can do. I want to do exactly what he did. Hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. All right, and before you leave, just a few things. I want to list your little cups, if you would, and when you walk out the back, there's trash cans for you. You can throw them away. Please don't leave them in here. But also, we're talking about the Lord's Supper and having a seat at the table of God. All of you in here that have influence over students 6th through 12th grade, whether you have a student or you know of people that have students or you're a teacher or whatever it may be, we have an awesome opportunity for students to come to know Jesus and be disciples.